Hey everyone, this is Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt, and I'm so glad that you are joining us. We believe this ancient Eastern text was never meant to st be studied alone, so we choose to do it in community. We will take one book a semester, one chapter a week, and really dig in to understand the context and the culture that the book was written in so that we can better understand how to apply what God was saying to our lives. Our goal is to equip you and your community to fall more in love with Jesus because you have fallen in love with his word. This season, we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and today's episode is chapter 12, Use Your Gifts. Well, um, before we get started today, if you are listening to this the day of, we have our very first Bible study release by our author, Shara Edgar, and we're going to have a book release party tonight um, at B308. We're looking forward to that. So if you've signed up for that, we can't wait to see you. And um, the rest of you, we will be putting up links on Amazon where you can purchase that book and you can do it in between semesters. And the goal is eventually to have um, a book that you can write in and go through with us at the same time. This book is over 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and it's called Beloved. You can actually look it up now. You don't have to wait until we share the link. And if you do purchase it, also leave her a review on Amazon because the way the algorithms work, that will allow more people to see that study and um, it'll help it'll help um, get this beautiful um, Bible study out. So we are diving into chapter 12. We're moving along. We're actually getting close to the end of this letter that Paul has written and he's going to take a new direction. He says now concerning the spiritual. So this is a new direction for the next three chapters, 12, 13, and 14 really go together. Remember, Paul wasn't writing this chapter and verse. He is just writing a letter and later people came and divided this up so we can find it easily um, as we study. But um, he is turning from the Lord's Supper to the way that the meetings are to be handled, the, the meetings that are happening in the home. He's giving them instructions. And we have to remember who he's talking to, these Corinthians. It is just steeped into their culture to... Um, to be great orators. And it's almost like everything's a competition. Who am I following? Um, who is the most uh, prestigious? Who has the greater gifts? And it's always that they're looking to place an emphasis on a person rather than Jesus. And Paul in this letter is going to be teaching them that everyone has a gift. And unfortunately, God designed it not unfortunately, but for them, um, God designed it where each gift is distributed to different people and they have to depend on one another with their gifts to really accomplish the kingdom. And so while we are never meant to be a standalone Lone Ranger doing it all for the kingdom, but to blend like a puzzle piece and that strengthens us and no one really gets recognition for it. It's just all the glory goes to God. That's how it's designed to be. And so this is the direction that he's going in. It's things of the spiritual. He says, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware. And I'm going to just stop right here and say that this is such an important next three chapters for us to talk about gifts and discover gifts. And I can always tell um, areas in scripture that maybe have been overlooked and the importance um, that 
it is for us to take it and dissect it and learn from it and apply it based on the amount of warfare I go before one of these recordings. And I am telling you, there has been warfare leading up to these three chapters. And that, um, while it's not fun to go through, it's also exciting and encouraging that the Lord wants us to look at this and to apply it and to live by it. So let's really dig in and pay attention to what he says. Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be led off to the idols that could not speak. Therefore, I'm informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We are going to talk in a little bit about testing the spirits because we have flesh, but we are spiritual beings. Our spirit resides inside of us, and we live in a world where there are principalities and powers of darkness, and there are angels, and there is God. There is good, there is light, and there is darkness. So we have to test the spirits because not every spirit is of God. So let's talk a little bit about the pagan practices in these temples. Remember, Corinth is littered with temples to false gods. And within each pagan, pagan temple, I know that this is repetitive, but I really want us to get an understanding of this. Within each pagan temple sanctuary, there would be an idol crafted usually by a famous artisan. And it was a representation of the deity. So whenever you think, God, oh, that's crazy. I would never just go look at that metal statue and think it was a god. To them, they didn't think that that statue was a god, but it was a representation. It was giving them eyes to see the, the, the entity that they were worshiping. And obviously this idol could not talk, but they could receive words from the deity through oracles. I've talked about this many a times because um, this really blows my mind. The most famous of all the oracles of this day was the oracle of um, Phythian Apollo at Delphi. This was the pantheon, pan, pantheon, pantheon, pantheon spirit python <laughs> i'm like um that's a pantheon of gods my brain it was the python spirit and this oracle was a woman and there was different ones who would rotate at delphi and she would speak for the gods and why i've mentioned her so much is because it has blown my mind, you just see the power of the gospel that as it pushed through this ancient world, there came a time where she says, the gods have stopped speaking. She was no longer able to hear from these false deities because they were driven out. And I am wanting, my heart's desires for to build a um, community of people who know how to get into God's word because God's word will transform us and we will go out and by the word of our testimony, in the blood of the lamb, we can overcome darkness. And in our country, we see that darkness is creeping in and I'm ready for us to drive it out again. So what would happen, and this is um, recorded by the ancient Roman prof, um, poet Virgil, that these oracles would, and it would be brought on by a substance, you know, they would take a substance, which I read alcohol, but it made me wonder if there were, um, other hallucinogens, hallucin oh my gosh, my brain is not working today, but things that would make you hallucinate. Um, if they would take these things, but when they would take it and they would seek the God, the God would possess them and speak through them, it was ecstatic utterances and frenzied 
prophecies that were non-intelligible. Now, I want us to realize that, first of all, we are going to look at this, and Paul is going to be giving, this is going to be comparable to tongues. I want us to know that the enemy will always be a copycat. He will create something that will emulate something spiritual from God, but you can always recognize it by testing the spirits. And here we see that when they did, when they would be possessed by a demonic presence, there was chaos and there was confusion and there was disorder. And unfortunately, this was the only example of words being uttered that were unintelligible that the Corinthians had. And so they would take these pagan practices and they were bringing it into the church whenever they would receive the gift of tongues. Evidently, they would fall back into these practices. And so Paul is going later to give a very um, clear order of how things are in the spirit. Um, we talked, he talked about curses here. He says, G um, it it's not the spirit of God. If you say Jesus is cursed. And so I looked into this and a part of the Roman culture centered around worship. One could leave a note in the sanctuary asking that false God to act on their behalf so they could leave a note. And in archeology, span it's actually been found in Demeter's temple in Corinth, um, notes that would say, anathema yeshua which is translated jesus is a curse um there was no explanation of why people did this but i could just use my human reasoning and think you know whenever the gospel came in things were changed family members changed um maybe um this this could have hurt economy for people that were idol makers maybe they weren't able to make as many idols because people were turning to christ and they were throwing out and destroying their idols so this could rub pagan worshipers the wrong way it could be extremely frustrating. And so they're going into their temples and they're asking their God to curse Jesus. So, um, he also goes on to say, Paul says that anyone who says Jesus is Lord, this re is required. Um, this requires the Holy spirit. And so whenever you hear someone proclaiming Jesus is Lord, you know, that that is a right spirit. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a balanced approach to these gifts because there's two sides of this argument. And not all of us are going to be on the same page and that's okay. My um, commentaries aren't even on the same page. And that's why I try to have a diversity of commentaries because um, while some of my, um, some of the men that I follow don't believe the gifts are for today, they are rich in areas where my more charismatic um commentators maybe don't go that deep into culture and so there's a perfect blend and you know this whole this bible is a mystery and there's not one of us out there that 100% with 100% accuracy can um interpret it and it's by the leading of the holy spirit we, we we do the best we can by looking at scripture and and backing it with other scripture learning the culture of the day leaning on the holy spirit so i am going to give you where i fall and you might not fall there and that's okay we can all love each other and we can still help build the kingdom together but uh, this is going to have my opinion riddled through it I want to take a balanced approach. On one end, we have cessationism. This is where they believe that the gifts are dead today, that they were for a time for the early church to get this started. Um, I don't have time today to explain all of the things that um, lead me to believe that this is not where I stand. Um, but 
on the other end of the spectrum, we have sensationalism. So you have cessationism. The gifts are dead. They are not for today. All the way on the other end of the pendulum, you have sensationalism where people have taken their God-given gift and they've made a show of it. They have been theatrical with it and they have made lots and lots of money built on this precious gift that was entrusted to them. We're going to find ourselves in the middle today. I believe that these gifts are alive and well because we are still in the church age. The Essenes have written about this before Jesus was born. They predicted that this age was going to come where there was going to be a new covenant. And according to their writings and just according to prophecy and, and scripture, we are still living in the church age. And I have a I have been in places where I've seen these gifts um, and they've been extremely beautiful and they have built the kingdom. But I've also been in places where they have been abused and misused. And I certainly have been in places where they aren't um, celebrated or believed in today. And we want to be in the middle. So God has given us the Holy Spirit and we have a spirit. And this is all on the inside of us, and we are to be led by the Spirit. We know from Scripture that the Holy Spirit comes with us, and that was more um, shown in the Old Testament and in Jesus' day while he was here on earth. But then we know that he comes inside of us, and that is our salvation experience. And then we know that he comes upon us, and we see that... um, Jesus' followers back at the end of the Gospels received Jesus after he's died and risen again. They've received him. They believe in him. They have everlasting life. So they are saved. But he tells them instructions to go and wait in an upper room for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. So there's three different things that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And when he comes upon us, he flows out like rivers of living water. It's like a dam of the spirit that has bursted and it will flow out and it will, um, you will be anointed to do even greater things. And there are times in my life that yes, I have the Holy Spirit all the time, but then there's times in my life where I feel his presence in a stronger way. And the gifts that I have come out and it's not even me at work. It is him at work. And I think that that's a good feeling whenever you don't have to rely upon yourself and it just flows. And we've all experienced those. So, um, we also see though, that from Genesis one, God is a God of order. We see that even in his creation story. And the purpose of these gifts that we're going to talk about today is to move the kingdom of God forward with power. One of the ways that they um, people will know that we are moving in the, the gifts of the Spirit is there will be evidence because we will also be operating by the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence to the world that this is a gift from God. So we have to look when we use our gift, is there love involved? Is there a joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness? self-control. That is one of the fruits of the spirit. You will always be in control of yourself when this anointing of the God of the Holy Spirit coming upon you goes out. It should not 
imitate anything like the the oracle of delphi where there was ecstatic utterances and frenzied prophecy that is a perversion there will be self-control there will be love you see people that have extraordinary gifts and you can be around them for a moment and you think they love themselves more than they love me. And so we have to be a people that don't get puffed up, puffed up. We've talked about this throughout the chapter, puff up. That's just, you're going to blow up and you're going to explode and make a mess. We want to build others up. That's the purpose of our gift is to build up others, not to be puffed up. And that is so important because pride comes before the fall. There will be a fall and it will sting. So we want to test the spirits by looking at its fruit. And we definitely want to operate in love. We'll talk about more, more about love in the next chapter. Moving on to verse four, it says, now there are different gifts. This word is charismata. Charis means grace. So you'll, you'll hear people referring to these gifts as different graces. And that's why it's from the Greek word. There's different gifts but the same spirit. I want us to focus in on that. Different gifts, same spirit. There's different ministries or services. That word is deaconi, and that means services, but the same Lord. So we've got spirit, we've got Lord. There are different activities, but the same God. So right here, we have the Trinity. We have God, we have Jesus, and we have the spirit all working together within these gifts. And it says that God activates each gift in each person. A demonstration of the spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. Notice that it is given to us. It is not something that we earn and it is not um, like a ladder that we're working up on. They are all equal, even though some may... Um, get the attention of many people. That doesn't mean that that person is more spiritual. It just is what it is with the gift that they, they possess. So this gift is freely given. It's not earned. We find the Trinity here and we find variety. He says that there are different gifts. There's different graces and, but the same spirit. So, and then he mentions services and then he mentions activity. So let's look at this. You are given an ability. That's your gift, a special ability that enables you to glorify God and to serve him. I'm going to use my gift as an example. I'm not saying that my gift is a uh, 100% spectacular, but my gift is teaching. I'm okay at it. Um, but I operate in that better. It just comes more natural than any of the other gifts. You are going to have you are going to be able to move in any of these gifts, but there's going to be one that's stronger in you than the others. So my gift is teaching. That's my ability that enables me to glorify God in this world and to lead others to him. Now there's service. It says there's different services, but the same Lord. The service is the different opportunities that my gift can serve God. Right now, it's through podcasts, it's through YouTube. There's been times, um, you know, where I'm a guest speaker, I can go live. There's, um, I can do this through small group. I can use my gift of teaching through these different avenues. If you have the gift of helps, you can use that on a Sunday morning. You can use that on a Monday night by going to somebody's house who's sick and helping take care of kids while they're sick. You Do you see what I'm saying? That we all have a gift and then there's services and the services are going to look different for each of us according to the gift. But even if you have the same gift, the, the, the way, you know, um, some 
people with a teaching gift are teaching in a public school and they're using that gift to love on students and to teach them things in the world where I'm using it on um, social media platform. Other people will use it on a Sunday morning on um, to teach a congregation. Other people will do it in a, in a um, seminary setting. So gifts, but then there's services. Those are the opportunities to serve. And then there's workings. This is the different manifestation of the Spirit's power and work. So with my teaching gift, there's going to be different manifestations than other people that have the same teaching gift. And so this is how they all work together. And we will be different. We all have different gifts and that makes us different. And sometimes some gifts don't quite understand other gifts. For example, teachers and shepherds are, they move more slowly. They move more um, methodically. They want to take time and nurture people who are hurting where people with other gifts such as an evangelist or um, a prophet or an apostle, they move full steam ahead. They can be very task oriented um, where some gifts maybe are more people oriented. And so sometimes because of that, there can be some friction. There can be some tension. And the beautiful thing in it is God gave you your gift to accomplish something that somebody with a polar opposite gift cannot accomplish. For example, Newly and I work together very, um, very well. We complement each other because he has more of the task driven, um, full steam ahead gifts where I have the more people oriented, slow moving gifts. And so we balance each other. Sometimes it can be frustrating because he's wanting to run and I'm wanting to pull back and there's that tension that, but then we talk about it, we communicate and we balance each other out and we meet in the middle. Um, and we're going to have to learn how to do that in the body of Christ. It's a non-negotiable. There's unity in the body and God has designed this in a way that it's puzzle pieces fitting together. And it's like I'm Iron sharpening iron. We both, like Newly and I, might have both rough patches, and then that tension solves, like the friction brings us together and it smooths out the surfaces. So let the differences do a work in you more than you becoming frustrated that people don't operate the same way that you do. Praise God that we don't all operate the same. We need to be unified in this gift. Um, one of the things that um, Dr. Constable says, the spirit will manifest himself in a great variety of ways. And he says, believers have more, some believers have more noticeable gifts, but they are not necessarily more spiritual. This was important in Corinth because they were elevating some gifts over others. So let's talk about the gifts. In verse eight, it says to one, a give, um, to one is given a message of wisdom through the spirit to another knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit. I love how each time he's saying by the same spirit. So when we're in a situation where we don't understand why our brother is operating completely different than us, and we are going to have a tendency to think that's a demonic spirit that I just, I just pray against that. It is the same spirit, different gift and different qualities of the gift and praise God for it to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another languages and interpretation of languages. Let's break this down quick. This is not an exhaustive list. 
It's partial. There'll be more gifts later on in this very chapter that we will get to. Paul also has a list in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. He's just rattling off some gifts, but the point is don't elevate one without the other. And this, this, um, these churches and these homes, we shouldn't rely on one gift. It's not all about that person. It's about using all of the, the gifts together to balance it out, to accomplish the kingdom, and the kingdom will go further, faster, if we can learn this. Um, this does create a dependency on one another, and we typically don't like that. One of the things that, um, okay, well, let me go over the, the gifts first. Um, the first one is wisdom. This is a supernatural it, you know, we, we can grow in wisdom as we grow older, but this wisdom is just a supernatural lens on how to solve practical and spiritual problems. Um, some people, you know, they, they can just see the answer quickly. Um, I've watched my husband in this in counseling, um, the wisdom that he has to ask the right questions and to lead people to figure things out for themselves. That takes wisdom. Um, there's also knowledge, which is a supernatural understanding of the mysteries of God. Some people have just a greater gift than other people about understanding the deep riches and the mysteries of God. But this also can apply to life situations that, um, they, they just hear and see more clearly from God and they have this knowledge, faith. We're talking about, we all have to have some portion of faith, but we are talking about an overabundance of trust in God. One of the things that I have um, seen in my own life is a greater capacity in people who have been raised by single moms or single moms themselves. They've had to depend on God. Um, and I mean, single people, I guess. I mean, maybe single dads too. I just say in my, in my examples of the people I'm thinking of, they were raised by a single mother and their capacity of faith just blows my mind because they've had to do it their whole life. They've practiced it. They lived it out and they've seen how God has provided. Um, and also this is, um, the faith that produced martyrs. So it's complete ability to see something that God wants done, regardless of all the obstacles and believing that God will prevail. Then there is healing. This is physical, psychological, and spiritual healing. One of the, the people that I've been looking at and, and just kind of um, going over her life's work is Catherine Coleman. And she um, was part of the tent revivals. And one of the things that I think is so beautiful because when we talk about healing, sometimes we can think of charlatans. Um, you know, you hear stories of these people that have these big ministries, made lots of money, and come to find out they had people in the crowd interviewing people about their ailments, and then that the speaker has an earpiece, and and you hear, you know, they're whispering, hey, there's somebody over here that has a hurt back problem. And, you know, it's just abused. It's abused, and so we can turn up our nose. Catherine Coleman's ministry was to preach the gospel, and at one of her tent meetings at the very beginning, just as she preached the gospel, a woman stood up and was radically healed. And so her healing ministry was really birthed with not her putting on a show and not her even asking for ailments to be healed, but preaching the gospel and people in the audience were being healed and set free. It was such a beautiful thing. And I think it's such a picture. Um, we see this is the, the primary gift that Jesus operated in. Um, let's see, it was one of his chief ministries. That's the, the, the word I'm looking 
looking for. He did 41 healings that were recorded in the gospels. He went around and I love that every single time, almost it was different. Sometimes he's going to put mud. Sometimes he's going to tell people to go dip. Sometimes he's going to touch. Sometimes somebody's going to touch him and, energy left his body. It's different every time. But what I can tell you is he didn't put on a theatrical show. Sometimes he even told, Hey, let's keep quiet about this and go do this and gave him instructions. But healing is a beautiful gift. Then there's miracles. These are mighty works that are unexplainable. Um, and they go against nature. And then there's prophecy. This is people who speak on behalf of God. We can go into that a long time because that's misunderstood. But for today's session, we do not have time. There's distinguishing of spirits. Another way to say it's discerning of spirits. I think we all can experience this one time of our lives that like there's just something that doesn't feel right in our spirit. But some people have a greater um, anointing to distinguish spirits. But here's something that we have to learn, especially if this is your gift. Your gift is going to be telling you the difference between the Holy Spirit and a demonic spirit and someone's flesh. Let's not get someone operating in their flesh. Sometimes your your discerner can be going off and we automatically assign that they are operating in a demon spirit. Let's not be over dramatic. Let's be balanced. It might just be their flesh that you're sensing and your job. Why is God giving you that? Well, one is so that you won't be deceived if it's somebody that has power, but if it's just somebody in your life that you, you do life with, pray for them, pray that God will expose that weakness to them and that God will transform them. Um, and then lastly, we have tongues, interpretations of tongues. So tongues in scripture, there's two different things that we see. We see at Pentecost that these people are uttering real languages that exist. It would be like if all of a sudden I'm praying and Spanish just comes out, even though I don't know Spanish, but then someone who speaks Spanish comes by and their life is transformed. They hear the gospel because of this foreign language that suddenly I have an ability to know. But then there's also, um, Hence, through Paul's letter, that there is also this heavenly language. Um, it was believed in this day that angels had their own languages, their own language that humans couldn't um, understand. And Paul talks about this heavenly language. And when we speak in the heavenly language, not in a real foreign language that other humans speak in, that needs to be more private. So, um, there, there is a, um, there is an order for it. It's either in our prayer closet. It's when we're alone and the spirit inside of us is uttering prayers, but it's not frenzied. It's not out of control. It's very controlled, but you are, it's when this language comes out of you. I will tell you from personal experience. When I was 19 years old, I was at a church camp and God radically was doing a work. I mean, that's a long testimony in itself, but they asked us to come forward if we want this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm all in. I want everything that they have to offer. And different college students were praying for me and it was very overwhelming and I felt pressured and I don't, I don't like feeling pressured to come up with some kind of spiritual thing. And so I'm, I'm starting to shut down. I'm feeling overwhelmed. All these people are telling me. And my friend who was also, I mean, she was 19 at the time. She went to be a youth leader just like I did. She kind of scattered everyone and she just whispered in my ear, Carrie, just praise God out loud. That's all she said. So I started doing that. I just started praying, praising God out loud 
what I thought was English. I knew what I was saying. You know, Jesus, I praise you. You're my father. I glorify your name. And she just came back and whispered, listen. And it was just bubbling out of me in another language. I didn't even know that I was doing it. And so because of experience, I've even had family members that are against this, you know, their denomination and their leaders in their denomination believe that this is dead. It is not for today. And the Holy Spirit has fallen on them in private sessions and it has bubbled out. Um, so we have two different things going on, but I will say that we'll talk about this later, but the interpretation of a tongue is in a public setting. If someone stands up and releases this word in a tongue of that nobody understands that language there. He's saying that there should be someone that stands up and gives it because the whole purpose of these gifts is to edify the body. Well, how can, for a lack of a better term, it sounds like gibberish to everyone else. How can gibberish edify us without the interpretation? So there's one use of tongues that's your private language, that your spirit is praying on behalf of you whenever you don't know what to pray. But then there's this other time that it's used in the body and it's just signs and wonders to get get our attention and to build us up and someone would need to interpret it. I have a friend that told me when she was a young girl, she was in, in um, a church that practiced this and uh, someone got up and, and, and spoke in tongues and the pastor asked for an interpreter and no one ever stood up. Well, she was young and scared and she was like, Carrie, I knew every word that he said. I had the interpretation. And so um, the, I think that's just fantastic and amazing. I can imagine that being scary, but that's why we have to talk about these gifts. And this is why Paul says at the very beginning, I do not want you to be unaware. I want you to be equipped. So when something like this happens, you operate in it because what I'm trying to do is release something that will build and edify the body. Don't be unaware. But there is one and the same spirit who is active in all of these, distinguishing to each person as he wills. He is going over and over the diversity of gifts that should bring unity to the body. Unfortunately, <clears throat> across cultures, diversity has segregated people in God's, in God's economy, everything is upside down. Everything is opposite. And he's saying, no, there will be diversity, but then that will bring unity. It's not going to be a one-man show. It's going to be you all working together. Don't be uninformed. So he goes in and gives a beautiful example of how our body is a sign for this. And so, you know, like everybody wants to be an eye, all the body parts probably like, oh, I want to be an eye. I want to see the world. That That's the greatest of all the body parts. But I can tell you this. I love all of my body parts and I want to keep them. I don't want to part with any of them. So if, um, you know, uh, uh, let's say a tooth, <laughs> let's say, I mean, I, I appreciate my tooth. I love my eyes so that I can see the world. I can see my family. I can see loved ones. I can know where to go. But if I lost a tooth, well, that's going to make eating difficult. It's also going to make me look a little bit different. And so I'm appreciative. My elbow, I, I don't want, do you want to go without an elbow? I don't even go without my pinky fingernail. I appreciate that pinky fingernail. And so he goes in to say that all of these parts are supposed to work together. Aren't you appreciative of all the parts of your body? Same thing in the body of Christ. We need to be appreciative of all of the gifts. And then for the gifts that we have, we need to just go with it and, and own it and not wish that we had other gifts. In Corinth, male Roman citizens enjoyed much more of an active role in society. They were elevated above all else. But in the Christian church, all got to play an active, important 
role. And this is what made Christianity stick out. And this is why in the body of Christ today, we've got to get back to using these gifts. We can't just elevate one gift over another where the teaching and the shepherds do all of the work and they do everything because then that would bring an unbalanced body. So God will provide all that is needed in a body, but we need to provide space for those gifts to be developed and to be used. Um, he goes into later saying, um, you're not going to say to the, I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. On the other hand, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You need all of them. So as leaders in organizations, we're going to have certain gifts and we can't not appreciate other people's gifts. Sometimes it's going to rub against us and we're not going to understand it, but it is that if that is who God has brought into our organization, we better learn about that gift and we better provide space for that gift to operate. I'm telling you that God gave me specific instructions um, when Bible Nerds first started. Um, it, it wasn't something that I thought of and said, hey, I really want to do something. Uh, I think I'm going to get online and start teaching. This really was birthed with me thinking I'm going to help a few girls that were small group leaders um, by walking through Matthew with them, I never dreamed that it was going to turn into this ministry of teaching and helping people walk through the Bible and discover what the Bible was saying. But as this unfolded in the first year of it, I guess, um, people were coming to me, you know, I was just getting on Facebook live, really not knowing where this was going. It, it just started out bigger than what I even anticipated. And so already there were needs that, that, um, had to be met and people were coming to me. They were seeing the needs and they were coming to me with the answer. Hey, do you mind if I build you a website? Hey, do you mind if I design a t-shirt and then we can, you know, use this? Hey, do you mind? And it was just amazing and beautiful that God was providing people to see needs and to meet the needs. And he ended up speaking to me and saying, this is going to be a journey. And he, he let me know that I could just rely on my own gift and I can get on a podcast at the time it was Facebook live. I can get on YouTube, whatever. And there will be people that tune in and they will grow and they will read their Bible. But he's like, Carrie, this can go so much further. If you allow the people that I send to you, use your gift. And you might not always understand their gift, but if you allow them to move and you steward these gifts, then we are going to be able to touch and build the kingdom far more than if just you get on line and you teach. And that has been a journey and I'm, it's learning and I'm still learning. And, you know, that doesn't mean just to give free reign. You know, I, I'm learning how to be a leader, allow people to operate in their gifts, but then also there has to be teaching moments or there has to be reeling back or, hey, you know, I see that this is your gift and this is where you're wanting to go. I haven't felt the release from God yet. And it's just a balance. We want to be balanced through all of this. So then, he, to close, he says, now you are, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has placed these in the church and he's going to go through more gifts that he specifically placed in the church. And there's an order to these first apostles, second prophets. Now I want to point out that in Ephesians, Paul says that the church is built on these. So these have to come first for a church body to be built. It's built on prophets and second apostles, third teachers, and then next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing, and various kinds of languages. So there is an order to this. 
are all apostles or prophets or teachers or do miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in language? Do all interpret? No, but he leaves us with this, but desire the greater gifts and I will show you an even better way. He's leading into what he's going to talk about next in 13. Love is the greatest of all things. So we'll pick up here. I just want to leave you. You should appreciate and not envy the gifts in others. And let's be careful with titles that we use. These were never meant to be titles. These are just gifts that, that, that we have. Um, titles seem to separate and elevate some gifts over the other. Now I'm not talking about honor. Um, I'm a proponent of whoever is the leader of your flock to identify them and call them pastor, whoever. I think that that is a respect thing, but when we get too crazy with titles, we tend to elevate, Oh, I've got a special gift and you need to, you know, look to me and I'm superior. We just need to be careful for that. Like, uh, the, the, we call him the apostle Paul. He always says, Paul, an apostle. So he's just Paul, but then now I'm going to give you my credentials. I'm a builder. And that's what the apostles are. They're the ones that go in first and build. It's almost like think of pioneers. They're the ones that go to this, this land that like, okay, something has to be built from scratch. So they're going to get their machete and they're going to cut away all of the, the, um, the greenery and they're going to get a plot of land ready. And it says second, the prophet. So then together the apostles and the prophets start laying a foundation and then every other gift can come in, but the prophets and apostles have to come first, but we are to desire the greater gifts. We'll talk about that next week. I'm glad you tuned in. This has been a fun one. It's an important one. Be prayerfully um, discovering your gifts and asking God how you can use them to make his kingdom advance. I'll see you next, next week. We'll take off for Thanksgiving, but I'll see you the week after that. Happy reading.